Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. You've heard me say how many times through 20 years that the Christian life, the life of a disciple, has been summarized in our tradition as essentially being whittled down to two words, discern and obey, listen and follow. I'm going to do a little bit of live discerning and obeying, listening and following. I've got in front of me the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and I'm going to offer some reflections on different paragraphs in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Which paragraphs? I don't know. We're going to discern and obey. We're going to listen and follow. I'm going to do that live with you today on the program. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com. DrTomCurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father in heaven, I thank you and I praise you for our lives and our faith. I thank you for the gift of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Lord, help us to grow in our thinking, grow in our living grow in our appreciation of what it is you have given to us and granting us the gift of our Catholic faith. Lord, help us to be more radiant witnesses. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, in today's program, I, I mentioned I got the Catechism of the Catholic Church sitting in front of me, the green-covered second edition. Why am I doing this? I said to you, I'm going to just pray. I'm going to open up the Catechism, and whatever paragraph jumps out at me, I'm going to do a living reflection with you on that paragraph. What is that all about? <laughs> why is that even a thing? Well, let me tell you why. Uh, earlier in the day, uh, I was talking with my daughter, Annalise. She's a freshman at the Chesterton Academy of Notre Dame in uh, here in Spokane. And uh, just great families. Uh, it's a, God's doing amazing things there. I, I love a classical Catholic academy, whether it's Chesterton or it's Court of Christ. I know they're, they're starting a Chesterton Academy, or they've started one uh, in the Archdiocese of Seattle. God bless them. Go, go, go. Grow that thing. Of course, there's the Aquinas Classical Academy out at Our Lady Star of the Sea in Bremerton. Beautiful schools because you get intentional uh, families sending their kids there to raise them to be um, intentionally Catholic, right? Determined, focused, right? To live their Catholic faith. Okay, so uh, she was asking me a question. She was like, Dad, why would Jesus quote Psalm 22 from the cross? What what's that all about? When, when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? That He was quoting Psalm 22, but he's also making a point. And so all of a sudden now there's this, Dad, what does it mean to be forsaken? And what does that have to do with Jesus on the cross? And I'm like, that's a great question. Let's explore that. And, you know, I, I have, uh, I, I think that that's something that we, 
as parents, we as, as, well, as Catholics, we ought to be able to ponder these rich and profound theological realities and be able to have conversation on them. And you don't have to have a degree to have these kind of conversations, to ponder the question, because she's a freshman in high school and she's pondering that question. What does Jesus on the cross in his being crucified have to do with him among the seven last words? He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? And so that led to a kind of a neat conversation about, well, neat. (laughs) The conversation with my daughter was neat, not the theme. The theme was like profound and shaking, right? What does it mean that... Uh, that Jesus experienced abandonment from the Father on the cross. What does that have to do with this reality that he was God from God, light from light, true God from true God, and that remained even when he was crucified? Okay, I'm not going to answer the question. I'm just saying to you, to be able to ponder that, that's a really, actually, I'll I'll give you my quick answer. (laughs) Well, how would you answer it? Really, think about it. How would you answer that question if, if you got asked that question? And uh, what I said was, well, why did Jesus die? Well, he died for our sins. Okay, what happens through sin? Well, through sin, one of the ways sin is, is not just breaking God's laws, not just break, it's not just denying God's will, it breaks a relationship. It damages or destroys a relationship, in this instance, a relationship with God. So if, if Jesus on the cross became sin, took upon himself all of our sins, then he's going to experience through his passion and his death all of the full impact, all of the full consequences of that reality. And by quoting Psalm 22, he is bringing out into the open through a word from God, the word of God that would have been known by the Jewish people at the time, that uh, as they were there witnessing his crucifixion, that he was crying out a psalm that identified what he was undergoing as the reality of being abandoned by God or forsaken by God or experiencing the fullness of what it means to betray God through sin. It breaks our relationship with God. And Jesus underwent that. Why? In order to give us a way out of a destroyed relationship with God and the consequences of that relationship being separated from God forever in, uh, in hell. And so he undergoes all of that and then overcomes all of that and then well, this raises the second question that Annalise asked me. Why do we need the Holy Spirit to be witnesses of Jesus? Another good question. How would you answer that? How would you answer that question? Why do we need, why did the first apostles need the Holy Spirit in order to be witnesses of Jesus? And Okay, how would you answer it? Okay, it's good. We got to ponder these things. We got to be thinking about these things because it brings up rich and important realities that are relevant for our lives. And well, here's how I answered it. I said, well, let's take a look at, we just focused on what Jesus overcame, right? He overcame this Uh, this destruction of our relationship with God, this being abandoned by God, he overcomes that in the resurrection. I said, where were the apostles? Where were they uh, on Easter Sunday? 
they were in the upper room. They were hiding. They were hiding. And so there's one clue right there that without the Holy Spirit, we are not going to have the power to be witnesses. We're going to be afraid because the same people that went about the work of killing Jesus would be attempting to, surround, uh, to, to round up his disciples and potentially put, him, put them to the same fate. So they were hiding out of fear for the Jews. So it says in John 20. So first of all, they need the Holy Spirit in order to not be afraid. In fact, I said, when did the apostles become fervent, vibrant, courageous witnesses? And she had to think about it. And she didn't quite come up with the answer. But I said, well, remember now. Remember Jesus at the ascension said, you're going to be my, what was the word he used? Witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. But, but don't. You're not going to be able to do that until the Holy Spirit comes. So Jesus himself gives the answer that without the power of the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit of Jesus living inside of us, we won't have the capacity, the strength, the power to be able to be witnesses. But there's the other dimension of this, and that is what is a witness? A witness is someone who gives evidence. A witness is someone who manifests the reality. Uh, and so the apostles, when they receive the Holy Spirit living within them, it's the Holy Spirit of Jesus living in them. Remember, you listened to yesterday's program. I talked about what's different about a Catholic Christian baptized uh, baptized person is what? Baptized men and women is that we become elevated to the reality of children of God. We become elevated into the very status of sharing in God's divine life, in the divine life of the Son. We become sharers in the sonship of Jesus. And so the spirit of Jesus lives in us and cries out, Abba, Father. So all of a sudden now, we become witnesses to Jesus' resurrection because his spirit lives in us. That's why we would uh, we would be incapable of radiating Jesus Christ unless his spirit were alive in us. We would be incapable of radiating peace and joy and life, the new life of, of, being, um, of being victorious over sin and death. Uh, we would be incapable of doing that without the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. So, all of that happened in five minutes. Well, maybe between five and ten minutes. <laughs> Tonight is my daughter, uh, Annalise, is going through her homework. And it just got me thinking. <laughs> I was like, you know, oh, sorry, I'm recording this in the evening. You're listening to it in the morning. So uh, I was thinking, you know, that all happened like live on the spot. And it, I hope that that was powerful. I hope that that was relevant for you. Because it, you, well, what came from that? What came from her homework? What came from Annalise's homework? Well, what came was, hopefully, two relevant insights for your life of faith that you who are hearing my voice right now. The first was, guess what? Don't ever doubt it. Sin destroys relationships. It destroys your relationship with yourself. Uh, well, I should start with God. With God. When it disintegrates or, or weakens or diminishes or destroys your relationship with God, 
it also impacts other relationships. You're not going to have a great relationship with your spouse, with your siblings, with your friends, um, with coworkers, with people you're in school with, and even with yourself. Sin fractures and breaks all of that sense of being in communion, in union with. I was talking with um, a, a, a person dear to me in my life who's struggling in her life of faith, struggles to connect to God in a vibrant way. I'm not surprised when she struggles in other relationships that are part of her life. Her relationships at school or at work or with friends or even with herself. If you don't have a sense of communion with God, then all of these other levels of union with, even union with yourself, become diminished and difficult. Because we still have sin that is at work in our lives. And, and when I say sin, I'm not just saying, oh, I'm trying to make you feel bad for doing things, thinking things, saying things, or avoiding things that you ought to be doing or not doing, right? Avoiding sin and, and avoiding evil, doing good, avoiding sin, uh, choosing to walk the path of holiness, right? Discerning and obeying, right? Really discerning, really listening, and then following. That, no, that, I, I'm focused on the existential the, the, the actual qualitative outcomes, the outcomes that, that impact your life when you fail to honor God. Gee, that's a really important thing to reflect on. And then, then there's the other side of it, the other, the other insight that came from the second question, which was, huh, do I ever wonder why I'm not being as fruitful, I'm not bearing as much fruit as I would want in my own witnessing to Jesus Christ? Well, then it raises the question, am I a Am I a witness to Jesus Christ? Am I a witness to his resurrection? That was one of the ways they identified who should follow after uh, Judas in the place of Judas when he, uh, uh, at, uh, before Pentecost, when they replaced him um, with uh, another apostle, with someone else to take his place. And they said, who is with us from the beginning? Who's a witness to the resurrection? Who's someone that can that can give evidence, right? And give evidence isn't just I was there, but give evidence that says, well, look at my life. My life has changed. My life has been fundamentally, fundamentally marked by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. His spirit is alive in me. Do you have that sense? Do you know that for your life? Do you have that sense that the Holy Spirit is alive in you? Stirring in you those fruits that we already talked about, joy, peace, life, right? But, but then also beyond that, that sense of confidence in front of the difficulties that this world is going to throw at you. You see, if, if in fact it's true that I'm connected to Jesus as he walked through his passion, through his death to his resurrection, and that he ascended to the heaven, he sent it back to the right hand of the Father, he's praying for me, and he sent his spirit to live in me, then no matter what I undergo, no matter how difficult the trials, no matter how extensive the, 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 the tribulations, no matter how, how painful the sufferings, no matter how deep the losses, he's already won the victory. He's already incorporated all of those things into his passion and death, and he's showing me already the outcome, resurrection. He's saying to you and to me, I've got this. I've got you. I've got you in the middle of that ugly, broken, dark, difficult stuff that's part of your life. I've got you, and I've got that. So don't worry. Okay, so what's just happened here? 
in this first segment of the program. I just took two questions that popped up unexpectedly as my daughter was asking me about homework. And I offered you some live reflection that I offered to her to show you that theological formation is so critical. The forming of our minds is so very important if we are going to live our Catholic faith. We need to have the capacity to have formed and reflected upon the teachings of the Church, not just to be able to parrot them, correctly state what the Church teaches, but to let those truths take root into our lives. When we come back, we'll do more. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you. So we're doing some live reflection on, well, I started with a couple of questions, right? These are questions that were asked of me. And I want to move forward. I'm going to give you another way that uh, insights from uh, our life of faith can can provoke us, can like can poke into us and, and, and kind of pull out of us in the moment, in the living moment, uh, an insight, uh, it'll, it'll shine a light on our lives. It will like, expose a portion of our lives. Um, and, and that's the power of God's word. And that's the power of God's word in prayer. So you, I'm guessing, are familiar with the liturgy of the hours, the divine office, right? So that's the, the, the church's official prayer. And, you know, it, it, it involves office of readings, morning prayer, Daytime prayer in, in three different formats, evening prayer, and then night prayer. And so one of the ways that we have shifted in our own family prayer um, with Carrie and me is to have our, our three, we only have three kids at home now, our three girls, 14, 13, and 11, uh, to pray night prayer using the Liturgy of the Hours. And I, I, I like that. It, it's refreshing. It puts our kids into a place where they are praying God's word. Remember now, pr- God's word is living and active. God's word has a power to, again, what were the words I used? Provoke, to uncover, to shine a light on, to poke into, to evoke from us certain realities that maybe we're not always uh, thinking about. And so, just for instance, if you looked at last night's night prayer, which we prayed Tuesday night, it was the antiphon for the psalm was, do not hide your face from me. In you, I put my trust. And I want you to hear that because, again, we're going to do a little living reflection in the moment on this antiphon. I didn't choose, I didn't go to prayer last night saying to myself, Lord, I, I, I'm struggling to trust you, and I want to trust you, but right now it doesn't feel like you're really present to me. No, this is given to me. This antiphon is given to me by the church. It is, it is, it's a litur, it's a, it's a prayer that's called liturgical, and all official, uh, uh, all official prayer that is identified as liturgy means that Jesus Christ is the principal agent in that prayer. And so here we have uh, the Lord, the head of the body, leading the body of Christ in this prayer. And I want you to just hear that out loud, that God is not afraid of us 
approaching him and saying these words, Lord, don't hide your face from me. In you I put my trust. I think sometimes when we, when we pray, we feel, we have this idea in our minds that says, I can't kind of put it all out there. I can't really share with God how it is I'm really doing. I have to have a sort of a reverent facade where I'm only giving myself permission to speak to God in in formal ways and in ways that are going to be positive or in ways that if there's going to be some kind of like weakness in the relationship or brokenness or or something that's going wrong, then it's all on me. It's all on my side, and I'll acknowledge that through repentance. Well, this is not what the Word of God does for us. This is not what the Scriptures propose to us. This is not what the official prayer of the church last night in night prayer is leading us to pray. And if you want a sense of validating your own experience, and and not just validating it, but giving language to uh, an aspect of your life that you didn't realize that the Lord is like, no, bring it out. I'm going to give you my word. I'm going to have my word, the word of God, shine a light on your life and, and bring out into the open a part of your life that is there that you want to keep hidden from me, that you don't realize you have permission, you don't realize that I'm going to actually give you the vehicle of my word, the inspired word of God. My word is going to be a vessel, a vehicle for you to bring out into the open in our relationship a part of your life that you'd rather keep hidden, that you don't really feel that comfortable talking about. And so to start the antiphon, the, the, again, this would be that that's the sentence that precedes the psalm. It's called the antiphon. And so the sentence that precedes the psalm that was prayed last night in night prayer is, Do not hide your face from me. It's like, Lord, it's not, Lord, I can't find your face. Lord, I don't realize if you're present at all. Lord, I, I, I'm lost and it's all my fault. Please rescue me. No, it's, don't hide your face from me. That's pretty striking. Have you ever spoken in that kind of like, direct, strong language to God? The Lord's given you permission. Not only is the Lord giving you permission, he's leading you into it. There's a part of your life where that's true. There's a part of your life Maybe you're not like existentially experiencing it right now, like like a deeply felt and 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 connected to the actual lived experience of your life situation right now. But honestly, there's a part of our lives where we are saying, "Do not hide your face from me. Do not hide your face from me, please. Your face is what your person." And, and I, I love that when I just see that. Do not hide your face from me, which actually presumes something. It presumes that in my relationship with the Lord, there is a face involved. A face means what? A person, a persona. 
a sense of personality, a sense of relationship that is more than conceptual or simply a, a function of observance. And again, sadly, it feels like a lot of Catholics, when we think about a relationship with God, there's no face. There might be like a painted image, like there might be uh, a statue or a painting or uh, a devotional uh, a depiction. But the idea of a personal presence, a personal presence, like if you're, if you're, if you're having a conversation with your kids and they, if they stop looking at you and they start looking at their phone or they, uh, they ignore you, what do you say? Hey, look at me when I'm talking to you, <laughs> right? Hey, pay attention to me. Talk to me right now. Look me in the eyes, right? These would all be phrases that, that are saying, hey, I, I want some acknowledgement that you are present to me right now in this moment, in this moment, in this conversation, what about God? What about God? What about what's the part, what dimension of your life do you feel like God is hiding his face? Is it your finances? Is it in your relationship with your spouse? Is it with regards to the things happening in your family in the present moment? Is it a life circumstance associated with your health, your well-being? Is it the, the, the happenings, the recent happenings that seem to be like a string of things are going from bad to worse. Things aren't working. Things aren't flowing. And have you ever taken those, those parts, those, those dimensions of your life, and, and raised the question, God, where are you in all this? Lord, Lord, I, I don't sense your presence. I don't see your hand of protection. Lord, I'm not sensing a hand of blessing. Lord, where are you? That, that's, don't hide your face from me. Lord, don't hide your face from me. I, 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 want, I want you to be involved in this part of my life. Please, I need you to be involved in this part of my life. Lord, I look to you. I look to you to be what? To be my God, my Lord, my Savior, right? You, you hear how often I will kind of bring those down into lead, provide, and protect. Lord, lead me, guide me on the path I should walk. Lord, provide for me all that you have for me so that I will not only be sustained and survive, but I'll thrive and flourish and even be overwhelmed and filled to overflowing with your goodness. And protect me, Lord. Protect me from those sources that would come against me and those that I love, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Right? The, I, I, I will be under attack as I live my life with you. But Lord, you will lead me and you'll provide for me and you'll protect me. But there are these dimensions of my life, Lord, where I'm not sensing it. I'm not seeing it. I'm wondering, Lord, why are you hiding your face? Why are you not there? That's, that's the experience we have. But do we ever name it? Do you give yourself permission to name it? Well, if you prayed night prayer last night, boom, it was given to you. It was given to you to speak that reality. Now, I think that that's so important. 
because it'll overcome the hesitancy we have. It'll overcome the, the lack of permission that we give ourselves or feel like, gosh, you know, I don't, I don't feel like the Lord wants me to talk to him like that. No, 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 just read Monday. I, I, I haven't even gotten beyond the first two, four, six, one, two, three, four, five, seven words of the antiphon. Do not hide your face from me. Give yourself permission, brothers and sisters, to say that right now. Lord, please, please don't hide your face from me. And it doesn't end there, though. There's another two, four, six words. There you go. So there's the first seven words. Don't hide your face from me. And then there's the following. In you, I put my trust. In you, I put my trust. And uh, I, I, I love that because... That, that gives us something that might be also aspirational, something that we will strive for. Maybe, again, what is this, what does this antiphon provoke in us? What, is it, what does it evoke from us? Well, not only does the first half of the antiphon, uh, of this opening sentence preceding the psalm, not only is it saying, you have permission to bring out into the open the dimensions of your life that say, Lord, I don't sense your personal presence and your personal care leading me, providing for me, and protecting me, which also then evokes and provokes in me a sense of saying, how deep is my relationship with the Lord? How deep is my relationship with the Blessed Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? How deep is that relationship with the Father? Do I sense the Father's care over, uh, he, he is over all, that I'm immersed in and, and I'm encompassed by his merciful, steadfast love and his faithfulness, that Jesus is with me and he will lead me through and the Holy Spirit is within me to provide everything that I need. And so the Father, his encompassing protection, Jesus, his, his abundant provision and the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, his, his abundant uh, leadership, guidance and the Holy Spirit, his filling me to overflowing provision, the Blessed Trinity, personally involved in my life. Wow, who am I that, the, that this is what the, the Lord has, has created me for, to be able to know this and experience this in, in my day-to-day life. And so when I don't experience it, Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you and I'm looking to you and I'm saying, please, I need to see this. Okay, and then in the second part, in you I put my trust, that's a whole other dimension. Do you put your trust in God? Do you? Do you put your trust in God? What does that mean to put your trust? To put your trust. Because you, you stop and think about it, you say, well, where, where do you? Where do you have confidence? Where do you uh, look when things are not all going well or, or to continue things going well, to continue to advance things? Do you look to yourself? Do you look to your own resources? Do you look to your training and education, your, your own matured uh, expertises and skills? Do you look to your own thinking and your own willing, uh, your own uh, matured sense of character and virtue? Uh, and in, in, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you don't look to those things that, that God has forged in you and that have been bloomed and blossomed and grown in you. Those are, those are God's gifts to you. But do you see it like that? Do you see that all that you are, all that you have, have come to God, come from God as a gift? And if you do have these matured sense of connections, relationships, resources, uh, uh, skills, and, 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 and all those things, 
Those are God's gifts to you. And so you should have a sense of confidence that you can move through your day well. You can handle things well. But is there a whole other dimension to this that says, I don't know what's really coming. I I can try to forecast and think through what might be coming, but I want to be on the alert for the God dimension, for the divine dimension, for the dimension that says the Lord is like, look, I'm I'm way ahead of you here. I'm going to open a door that you can't even see. I'm going to ward off a threat that you're not even aware is happening. I'm going to preserve you from experiencing things that otherwise would have undermined you and tripped you up. And do you have that consciousness? Do you have that awareness in your life? Do I, do I put my trust in God? Or do I put my trust in my own systems and processes and capabilities? And the answer is, well, yes, we should do both, right? But we should do one rooted in the other. We should do one based in, connected back to, traced back to the other. So yes, the Lord has forged in you these things. So rely on the way in which you can use those things, but make sure that they're always connected back to the God who provided for them, for you in the first place. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. So uh, talking about, in you, I put my trust. So you just heard uh, one of the sponsor messages was uh, my work as a real estate agent. And I won't go much into that except to say, a lot of that is trust. In you, I put my trust, Lord, not in my own abilities. Oh, but by the way, I'm going to use the abilities, the gifts God's given me to serve folks. But I'm going to rely more on God. I'm going to look to the Lord. And I'm going to trust in Him and not just in my own cleverness. And I got to tell you, it's one of those things that I'm going to use all of the professional expertises I have to serve my clients in buying or selling a home, helping them figure out what path to take. But I can't tell you how many times I just say, hey, before we get started, let's say a prayer. Right, just to say a prayer with folks. I don't have to. It's only if I know these folks have a a connection to faith and and that's been part of the conversation. But I love to bring that out into the open. And when not, I still am praying, even though they're not. They don't know about it. I'm still praying. And um, and in doing that, I'm putting my trust in the Lord. And oh, by the way, in in the Lord using the gifts He's given to me, that I'm going to put those to 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 be at work as well. So. Here's I want to bring together those two dimensions, those two dimensions of it's not quite self-reliance, but it's like relying on the gifts that God's given me and I'm going to use them. I'm not just powerless, but also doing that in a way that's docile and rooted in uh, the divine dimension that God is at work here beyond what I can see. And it's going to be the word in entrust, to entrust. In you, I put my trust. I trust in you. I entrust myself to you. So let's let's take that to the deepest level of faith, the deepest level of our relationship with God. 
is the act of abandoning ourselves into God's hands and trusting ourselves fully, finally, completely into God's hands. And that's something we can do every morning. It's something we can do every day, even multiple times a day. Lord, I entrust this meeting into your hands. Lord, I entrust this work project that I'm in into your hands. Lord, I entrust all of this into your hands. You take over. That's why I love the Father Delindo Ruotolo prayer, is that it's Jesus you take over. It's Jesus, it, it's it's sort of the 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 the, the weaving together of different forms of prayer of abandonment, prayer of entrustment, like from uh, St. Ignatius, uh, you know, take Lord, receive all my liberty, all my freedom, like all my memory, my understanding, my entire will. I give it all to you. You've given it all to me. I give it back freely. I return it. Or of uh, blessed Charles de Foucault, Father, into your hands I abandon my, my uh, self. Um, and I do so with all the love of my heart, right? Th- these prayers of abandonment, you think about them, and all of a sudden now, hmm, what do we get connected back to? We get back to Jesus on the cross. Do you remember early in the program? What was the first question I brought up? That, that, no, sorry. What was the first question that was brought to me? The first question that was brought to me was, hey, Dad, what does it mean where Jesus quoted Psalm 22 when he was on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you think about this idea of he was experiencing the darkness of becoming identified with sin, this idea of being abandoned by God. What does Jesus say on the cross? What does he say after that word? Into your hands, I commend my spirit. He abandoned himself into God's hands. He abandons himself. Father, into your hands, I abandoned myself. This idea of self-entrustment is what Jesus does in the midst of his deepest darkness. Oh, wow. All of a sudden now, the question that was asked of me at the beginning of this whole program that I shared with you last night preceded night prayer last night. And then we go to night prayer and we have, do not hide your face from me. In you I put my trust wow, remember what I said? Remember who I said leads the Liturgy of the Hours? Who's the the principal agent, the principal one leading the prayer of the church? It's the head of the body. It's Jesus Christ, the high priest, who leads all liturgical prayer. And so who is the one who most perfectly embodies, do not hide your face from me, and you I put my trust? How about Jesus? How about him? These words find a home in the one who is the word of God. Should we really be surprised that you can see, do not hide your face from me and you I put my trust inscribed, carved into, etched into the core of Jesus Christ crucified. Jesus Christ on the cross. Who's saying to me, do not hide your face from me. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you, I put my trust into your hands, Lord, I commend my spirit. And breathing his last, he gave over his spirit. Wow. You know what's really cool? I didn't plan any of this. <laughs> I didn't plan any of this. This, this program that it would unfold in this way. 
I, I didn't have the the you know I didn't have a like a, an outline that said oh tonight I'm gonna talk about the the two questions my daughter asked me and then I'm gonna reflect on night prayer. No, this is really cool. This is this is the living God at work in stirring in me the things that I ought to talk about, and I. I share this with you in the, in, in the way that I have because God is the living God. The, the Lord is the living God. He's not just a concept. He's not just a concept we cling to in our minds and say, oh, I accept that God exists and I try to live in a way that honors the rule, the moral law that God has established and revealed in the church and written in my heart and I sense it in my conscience so I try to do what's good and avoid what's evil. No. No, no, no. There's there's this personal dimension. There's a sense of personal presence. There's the sense of the person of the Spirit in our hearts stirring us. And, and there are dimensions to our lives where, where we lose sight of that Lord and we're asked to entrust ourselves to him in the midst of it all. And you know what? He gives us not only permission, he gives us the words. He's like, I've been there. I've done that. I've actually been where you are, literally, in that place of darkness, because I took that darkness on in the cross. So if you come to me and you gaze upon the crucifix, you can discover in the core of Christ's passion your darkness. You can discover in the in the heart of Christ's passion and death on the cross, in his agony in the garden, and his scourging at the pillar, and his crowning with thorns, and his carrying of the cross, and in his crucifixion, you can discover traces of what you're undergoing. Do you ever do that? I do that all the time. I tell you, I do that all the time. What am I talking about? Well, for me, I think the, the there's some easy ones. There's some easy pickings here, brothers and sisters. So I think that my some of my biggest challenges have to do with my thinking. Did you hear that? I think that some of my biggest challenges have to do with my thinking. <laughs> and what I mean by this is, is that I can become anxious. I can become afraid. I can, can struggle with trusting in God and surrendering control. I can, I, I can worry about the loved ones that are part of my life, that what's happening, or I can have this sense of feeling overwhelmed by life's circumstances and, and having to say, God's going to see us through. And, and, and Lord, you know, don't hide your face and you might put my trust. Yeah, I, that, that's, I get that. I love reflecting on the third sorrowful mystery, the crowding with thorns. Because in our tradition, that when you meditate, when you hold in your imagination prayerfully the crowning with thorns, and you remember that he underwent this for you in your place, on your behalf, and for your sake, he undertook all of that sense of uh, mental stress, strain, anxiety. He, went, he underwent all of that for me so that I wouldn't be overwhelmed by it, so that I could overcome it. And, and time after time after time, the Lord helps me realize not only that I'm not alone, but he lifts some of the burden. More on this in a minute. Hey, welcome back to the program. All right, so... I I hope that you're being blessed by this program. If you are, do me a big favor, please. 
If you can, go to MyCatholicFaith.org. That's the website, MyCatholicFaith.org. There you can access this program after the fact, and you can share it with others. You can share with others because they are right on that page, MyCatholicFaith.org. You see a link to the Apple Podcast. And you can just click on that button, and then you can uh, subscribe to the podcast. That means you'll get it just immediately downloaded to you so that you can listen to Sound Insight, but you can also share it with others. You can also rate the program, make it five stars. You can share the program with others. But if you also go to MyCatholicFaith.org, you have an opportunity to download other resources for free. I've got other resources, digital resources. Of course, I've got all the programs of Sound Insight, a whole bunch of interviews from my YouTube channel. You can link to my Facebook page, all these different ways to stay connected more richly, but also share the word and spread the word because I truly want to be useful to the Lord in getting messages like this out to the faithful. And honestly, I just don't know many folks who are, um, who, 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 talk this way, who who attempt to bring the faith out into the open like this. And so if you find this a blessing, if it's helping you to grow in faith, help me get the word out so that other folks can be blessed by that as well. So just go to mycatholicfaith.org. You can also drop me a comment. There's, there's an easy way for you to uh, contact me there as well. I'd be blessed to hear from you. Okay. So Jesus, he gives us this sense of living contact with us. Now, I said, I, I brought the catechism here, and somehow I've gotten through the great majority of the program, and I haven't even cracked it open. <laughs> Come on now, are you surprised? Uh, I was going to do this sense of, Lord, what, where are you speaking to us right now? Just like I leaned into the questions that were presented to me in the moment without preparation, then I went to night prayer and leaned into just literally the the antiphon, the opening phrase that preceded the psalm. Uh, you know what? I, I do at least need to honor what I said. And so here I am, Lord Jesus, I've got this catechism of the Catholic Church in front of me, and you have the truth that will set us free. Lord, the teaching of the Church is meant to come alive for our lives and not just be truths that we memorize. And so, Lord, where are you leading us? Lord, what do you want me to talk about? So I'm, I'm just doing a little cut open, and I am uh, actually just opening up the page. Okay, so I opened up to, believe it or not, uh, paragraph 2666. Did not plan this. I just said a little prayer. You heard it live, and now I opened it up. And okay, so 2666 is in the fourth part of the catechism, which is on prayer. And it's, uh, it's in Article 2, which is called The Way of Prayer. And 2666 says this, But the one name that contains everything is the one that the Son of God received in his incarnation. Jesus. The divine name may not be spoken by human lips, but by assuming our humanity, the Word of God hands it over to us, and we can invoke it. Jesus. Yahweh saves. That's what the name Jesus means. Yahweh saves, or God saves. The name Jesus contains all. God and man, 
in the whole economy of creation and salvation. To pray Jesus is to invoke him and call him within us. His name is the only one that contains the presence it signifies. Jesus is the risen one, and whoever invokes the name of Jesus is welcoming the Son of God who loved him and who gave himself up for him. All right. I don't know about you, but this is, this is kind of chilling in kind of the coolest way. Because if I had to try to think about a passage in the Catechism that encapsulates, summarizes what I've been sharing throughout the whole program, I can't think of a better paragraph, honestly. <laughs> this one is so beautiful. Are you getting it? It. What did I? What was I saying this whole time? God's not just a concept. God's a face. God, a personal presence. You want to have that sense of God's presence and that it's Jesus and that his spirit lives in you and is going to stir within you the, this, this reality of Jesus. And what does it say? To pray Jesus is to invoke him. What did I say? To invoke, to evoke, to, to pull out of you. To, to say, to pray Jesus is to invoke him and to call him within us. To call him within us. His name is the only one that contains the presence it signifies. His name is the only one that contains the presence it signifies. His name signifies that God saves. That God saves. And when we invoke the name of Jesus, who are we invoking? The Son of God who did what? Who loved us and who gave himself up for us on the cross. I mean, like, wow. Are you looking for some little sign or signal? Are you looking for any, brothers and sisters, are you looking for some confirmation that what I've been talking about in the course of this whole program is not just me making stuff up. It's not just a theory. It's not just like sort of a pet idea of mine. No, this is the teaching of the church. And, and but remember, it's not just the teaching of the church as a, a truth to be memorized. Oh, okay, let me memorize that idea that when I say the name of Jesus, his presence gets stirred within me in the core of my being, and his presence is, is the one who is God saving me. He's leading, providing, and protecting me. He's rescuing me. He's freeing me from sin and death. And he's giving me that grace to go from being a destroyed relationship where I've been abandoned by God to the one who's going to save me so I can entrust myself into his hands. To pray Jesus is to invoke him and to call him within us. His name is the only one that contains the presence it signifies. You know what's so cool is that just before the last break, or during that last break, I thought to myself, should I bring up what I do when I'm on an airplane and I get fearful? When I'm on an airplane and I get fearful, I will just start saying the name Jesus. And I'm not really loud. People next to me don't realize I'm doing it. 
Do you know why I say the name of Jesus when I'm on the plane and it's hitting turbulence and I'm getting disturbed inside of me? Because of this passage in the, in the catechism. I didn't know what number it was. I didn't know it was there. I literally just thumbed through and grabbed a page, opened it up, and this was what I was drawn to. But it was literally that. I literally thought of that truth of our faith just before, just in the midst of the last break, before I did this thumbing through and ending up here. I just So for me, it's just another beautiful confirmation that this is a truth that the Lord wants to be heard today. He wants us to come out into the open. And one of the reasons I was going to bring up this idea of praying when I get disturbed in my peace, when I feel overwhelmed and anxious by a situation where I'm out of control, like on a plane and, and, and it's really turbulent. I just got back from a trip and I had one of the most turbulent flights I'd had in a very long time. And I was at peace. And I was at peace because the Lord has been healing me of the disturbance that I feel inside, the overwhelming sense of being out of control and anxious and afraid. And I, I'm very grateful to the Lord for that healing. But the solution has been speaking the name Jesus, speaking his name as someone who saves me. And I would imagine in my head, spiritually, the Jesus asleep in the boat, like, don't hide your face from me and you will put my trust. Lord, don't be asleep here. But he stands up. He says, why are you afraid? Quiet, be still. And he calms the storms. And he's, he, you might feel like Jesus is asleep in your life right now. You speak that name of Jesus. Imaginatively, you hold in your mind the truth that Jesus calmed the storms and that you shake him awake. And you say, Lord Jesus, aren't you concerned that we're being destroyed? And, and speak the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. And he will be present. He will be personally present. He, will be per- he is the face of God. The name that could not be uttered becomes utterable because in the incarnation, it's revealed. God and man and all of the, the whole history of salvation. Jesus. God saves. I know some of you are meant to hear this message. Some of you are, are feeling like, this was for me. This, this truth is meant to come alive for me. And I praise God for that. That's why I do what I do. This is why... I'm on the program. This is why I do Sound Insight, because I want, I just desire so much, Lord Jesus, please make this program a vessel that's useful for your glory, that can bear fruit for your glory, Lord. Please touch hearts and souls of those who are experiencing a disturbed faith right now, Lord Jesus, and give them the grace to speak your holy name, to sense and encounter your living presence. And Lord, set us free. Jesus, we abandon ourselves to you. You take over. Jesus, we entrust ourselves to you. Take care of everything. Amen. Thank you so much for being with me today. God bless you all. Pray for me as I pray for you. And join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.